Today I received a mail about, it's a common question which people ask, how should I begin this yoga? I think it's a very common question. So it once again landed in the mailbox. And the beauty is that the mother has answered this question so beautifully. It's a wrong question actually, <laughs> how do I begin this yoga? The right question is, as the mother says, why do I want to do this yoga? And the beauty is that in the answer to this question lies everything else. Because I may do all the things which are right. And yet if this central core is missing, then this doesn't work out. Shobindo reminds us that this yoga is not done for becoming a superman, a guru, a yogi an instrument of God, all these things, ambition, masquerading as, you know, cry for yoga, none of these things are valid. In fact, they are either at best preparations, <laughs> at worst dangerous illusions. And sooner or later they crash because this is a power of truth that acts. If it crashes, we are fortunate. If it doesn't crash, it's still a long way to go. So the right question is, why do I want to do the yoga? What is the true aspiration? Not even nirvana, not even personal realizations, achievements, accomplishment, becoming a great yogi, swami, none of these. So, where does it all begin? When the soul is ready, when it had reached that point in its evolutionary journey, where it wants the divine for the sake of the divine, nothing else. Not even for what one may get out of the divine. So, all this can be, uh, as I said, a long dim preparation is man's life. That's how Savitri reveals to us. But a point comes when one seeks the divine in such a way as a fish seeks water when it is out of it. When Sri Ramakrishna was asked by a disciple, what is the method, what is the process, what is the technique, how do I find God... Sri Ramakrishna didn't start, uh, you know, charging him some fee and telling him some methods of doing meditation. Nothing. He said, come with me for a bath. What? You are going to teach me about yoga? Yes, this is a new yoga. Bath yoga. <laughs> you know, in America it would be patented as bath yoga. But he simply said, come with me to the river. Ganges is streaming nearby. So he went to the river, he said, okay, he is going to teach me some new kind of technique where in the river we have to do some special process and I will have a yogic awakening of the Kundalini. But all that he did was, as he was taking a bath, he said, would you like to take a dip in the Ganges? Of course, if you say so, if that is the preliminary condition. But as he took the dip, Sri Ramakrishna held his head down below. Now he can't come out. <laughs> He's gasping. Can't come out. He's asphyxiating. After a while, he let him go. He said, What did you seek? He said, Of course, for a breath of air. He said, That's it. When with this intensity you seek the divine, then you will find him. All other things which may we may say, do are all gloss overs. And this intensity builds up. It's not that you know some are born with it. Those who are born with it have gone through the, you know, as they say in Hindi, papad bela hai. 
you know, they've gone through the long process and we all, if we stick on, we'll reach that point where the intensity of aspiration builds that in one moment, a moment of apocalypse, we are suddenly out of this narrow, stifling, ego-bound, desire-ridden consciousness which makes us suffer and we always look for the causes outside. And suddenly we breathe that air. As Shivinda says, the divine, illimitable air. So, that which opens the door, of course, sincerity we spoke about, but the important thing is aspiration. It's the, why do I want to do the yoga? What is my aspiration? And it can take many forms. One of the most dangerous, the mother you know, cautions us again and again, is it can take the form of ambition. Very dangerous. I am doing yoga so that I will become a yogi, I will become a guru. Very dangerous. So, she says, reminds us again and again, brings back to aspiration. And today, I wish to read from Savitri, what is that aspiration? What is that burning fire? It is aspiration that opens the path. It is aspiration. And aspiration itself climbs from hill to hill. It, by the light of aspiration, one begins to see things which were hidden inside one's own nature. By the fire of aspiration, one burns down the obstacles that have been assailing the seeker for a long time. It mounts upward, it spreads wide, it includes more and more aspects of the divine within its ambit. That is its power. In Savitri, actually, the very first canto, the symbol dawn, we can see that touch of aspiration. It's like hope being dawned amidst darkness. One of the first forms it takes is hope. Otherwise, we tend to become cynics. So we should be very careful when... Um, either about the world or about ourselves, uh, we start developing a very depressing attitude. It means something has come in between us and the aspiration. Aspiration always brings hope. It's like a light. It will always say that, look, you know, this is the fire which will carry you. It's the Vahaka. And it always moves forward. Ag, Agni comes from that root, Ag, to move forward. It carries us forward. It doesn't look backward. Oh, life has been so terrible. Today, times are like that. No. So, we see in the very first canto, the first birth of aspiration, the glimmer of light which brings hope. But it grows and grows and grows and takes various forms until it reaches a point where we can begin to aspire with Ashupati. Yesterday we read something about Mother, today about Shurabindu. What is the aspiration with which this yoga, he has undertaken this tremendous journey? And this is on page 76, book 1, canto 5, where actually Shurabindu's yoga begins to depart from traditional yogas. A will, a hope immense now seized his heart and to discern the superhuman's form he raised his eyes to unseen spiritual heights aspiring to bring down a greater world. The mother puts it in a very simple way. She says, as long as you are satisfied with the world as it is and want merely to perpetuate the old scheme of things, one is not really ready. When we believe, when we begin to feel right in our bones or somewhere deep within as a conviction that all that the world can give. Another line in Savitri, 
all is too little that the world can give. Not that there is too much unhappiness and sadness in my life, therefore I turn to the divine. Sadness doesn't have a force to propel us towards the divine. Very often it can land, land us up in the arms of the devil, masquerading as the divine. Because you know he is always waiting, oh you are sad, I will teach you a yoga which will make you happy in five days. <laughs> yoga for personal happiness. But when everything is fine, there is no issues, you know. I remember a small little story, personal anecdote, when during the holidays, uh, my son's holiday, my wife would visit me in Delhi. I was posted there. And one day, someone came to meet, meet me. <laughs> I, I'm, I laugh when I think about this story. He came to meet me and uh, I was in the office and he saw my wife wearing normal jeans and everything. And, you know, she, uh, he asked her, uh, where is Dr. Pandey? He has gone to office. Who are you? He said, I am I'm his wife. Then he kept looking askance. After he said, you seem to be fine. <laughs> he says, why? He said, why did he take to spiritual life? He had a feeling that, you know. <laughs> she said, excuse me, I am in the ashram. He is still in the world. <laughs> Why did you take to spiritual life? We have this strange notion, these weird conceptions that one has to be, you know, down the dumps. Shubhinda speaks of the sunlit path. Everything is fine. Everything is happy. The world has given whatever it could give. And yet all is too little that the world can give. This is not what we seek. There is something more. There is something higher, something better, something vaster, something purer, something more beautiful, something more divine. That advance, the march of civilization must advance towards it. So that's what now Ashupati is seeking. And if we see Shurabindo's life, you see Buddha left the kingdom and went to the forest. Why? Because Buddha is Raj Vibhuti. He is a king. He is going to be a king. And he has everything that one a young person could actually ask for. What is he missing? Yoga Vibhuti. So he must go to find it. What about Shurabindo? Shubhinda, before he comes to Pondicherry, has Raj Vibhuti and Yog Vibhuti. He is hailed as the rising star of Indian nationalism. He is regarded as a brilliant student in Cambridge. He is, you know, the one most dangerous man in British India. So, he is, Raj Vibhuti is there. He is the star of stars. He also has Yog Vibhuti. He has experienced Nirvana. He has experienced Vasudevam, Sarvamiti, Samahatma, Chadurlava. What is it that he is seeking? Why does he has to go? So we hear this, aspiring to bring down a greater world. He is not satisfied with just his own freedom, his own realization. The glory he had glimpsed must be his home. It's not enough to see the suns, to live in the rays of the sun, but to be in the heart of it all. The glory he has glimpsed must be his home. We should be able to live there if that is our true home. A brighter, heavenlier sun must soon illume this dusk room with its dark internal stare. That light must flood not just the peaks but the base and even below the dark abysses of creation. The infant's soul in its small nursery school. See, now look at the image. 
do we need to really simplify Savitri? Look at just the image. Even the first image is so beautiful, but look at this image. The infant soul in its small nursery school mid objects meant for a lesson hardly learned. Outgrow its early grammar of intellect and its imitation of earth nature's art. Its earthly dialect to God language change. In living symbols, study reality and learn the logic of the infinite. How beautiful this is. Infant soul in the nursery. What is it? A for apple. Does it understand an apple? No, it has not seen an apple. <laughs> a for apple. Okay, the apple is shown to it. What is the apple? Well, it's a fruit we eat and it gives us nourishment. But there is another apple we hear which made the whole Adam and Eve come down these stairs. What is that apple? It's the fruit of knowledge. So, is that it? So, one needs to taste it and go beyond. So, it must outgrow. What is its learning? The grammar of intellect. All our knowledge. All the combinations, the rules of the game. All this is the early grammar of intellect. And what we need to know is the logic of the infinite. It's not easy. There is a very nice bhajan by Surdas where he says, Udho karman ki gati nyari. So he says, I don't understand. What is the strange law of karma? Murak, murak raj karat hai. Pandit firat bhikari. <laughs> Idiots are ruling the world and the wise men are Moving from door to door with a bowl in their hand. Can I have something to eat? And then he goes on to say, Ujwal pank diye bagleko. You know, Kingfisher, such a shrewd fellow. And you made him so fair. Koyal ke vidikari. And Koyal with such a lovely voice is dark. Nobody likes to look at it. People like to hear its voice. And Kingfisher, everybody likes to look. But look at the intent. So, Udho Karman ki Gatinyari, what this world is. But this is because we misread God's intention. We must understand that there is a logic of the infinite. If behind all the anomalies there is a grace, there must be a way it is expressing itself. I don't understand it, and that's why it doesn't consult me in running this world. <laughs> the last time God consulted in humanity for running this world was before the scientific and industrial revolution. And then he said that, okay, you want to do it that way, fine, I'll lay back. And now, you know, God has once again to come back and intervene that, you know, you made a mess out of everything. So, the ideal must be nature's common truth. This is a question that one must ask. If there is none else but the one, why don't we experience him as naturally as I experience my body and this sentient universe? There is another very nice uh, ghazal, Sufi Kalam. You know, it says, Tu ek gorak dhanda hai. <laughs> you know, he puts it. <laughs> Ki, there is none else but you. Tu hai bhi or nahi bhi. You are there and yet you are not there. Something within us knows he is there. But, my senses don't experience, my mind doesn't understand, my heart doesn't feel. So it's a strange paradox. We should not lead a life with this state of division. 
it must be our most natural state division should become our unnatural state the ideal must be nature's common truth the body illumined with the indwelling god we all know that god dwells within us we have been told and people laugh where is god dwelling you know i have cut open and you know heart and everything but i didn't find god <laughs> obviously you didn't find god because you don't have the eyes to see god <laughs> otherwise you didn't need to cut open the heart but at the same time this is a valid question he the lord the supreme shobindo puts it so beautifully in one of his passages in the ishavashupanishad he says be not a trembler and a doubter fear not for in your apparent body dwells the million bodied one but where is he why this matter doesn't support that presence it's like in temple whose doors are closed the walls are shut with very hard concrete the everything is dark it should be the natural thing that he should be illumining the body the heart and mind feel one with all that is a conscious soul live in a conscious world this is the aspiration and this aspiration grows and grows till a time comes when he leaves behind the busy tramp of life his soul retired from all that he had done page 78 hast was the futile din of human toil you know we have too high opinion of our works and our deeds late we learn that there is only one worker in this whole creation just like when mirabai goes to you know brindavan and she wants to meet a great saint there and he says but he doesn't see women those were the days medieval period so mirabai said women i thought there is only one man in this creation all other are women <laughs> so he says sender in she is not just ordinary lady so hast was the futile din of human toil forsaken wheeled the circle of the days in distance sank the crowded tramp of life this is the state of the yogin and we we'll read it again when we read about yoga of savitri the silence was his sole companion left one of the signs that one is ready for the spiritual life is that one seeks to be more and more alone one may not be able to avoid company but still deep inside one seeks to be alone one treasures those moment when one is without anyone else but with one soul beloved when you have found the beloved how would you want to be with you know anyone else anywhere else and this aspiration grows on the next page we shall see what a wonderful it's it's uh, you know there is an image in the upanishads about the aspiration as an arrow shot into the target quivering you see now what happens when you shoot an arrow into the target the head of the arrow the spear head is stuck into the goal and its rear side is quivering but it cannot take it out from there similarly like us the aspiration mounting like an arrow it is into the divine but outer life surface life may have certain tremors but after a while they will be stabilized because the aspiration is there we have a similar line 
on page 79. An arrow leaping through eternity suddenly shot from the tense bow of time a ray returning to its parent sun. Such is the state of one who seeks the divine. And there will be opposition. The opposition is not from family and people. This is... (laughs) All difficulties, all obstacles lie within. Something within us holds us back. Maybe an attachment, maybe an ignorant idea, maybe an egoistic preference, maybe a desire, wish, ambition, call it whatever. One has to look at it. It's not about leaving people either, but it's about sharpening that flame, tongue of sacrifice. Opponent of that great glory of opponent of that glory of escape, the black inconscient swung its dragon tail, lashing a slumbrous infinite by its force into the deep obscurities of form. So what does the inconscient say? Oh, here is going this light, this fellow aspiring. I won't allow. So it's like a dragon lashing its tail with fury. You know, we are reminded of the story of Perseus and the Medusa. Lashing its tail. Because it wants to freeze the seeker. Perseus the seeker. Carrying with him the sword given by Athena. And he's the seeker. And swings its tail in fury and starts creating havoc. What does Perseus do? He keeps to his goal. He doesn't look at a face and get into a... So it tries to oppose. And where? what is it that it can really oppose? Form. Deep obscurities of form. Even it can attack whatever, wherever there is a small opening. But look at the aspiration. Death lay beneath him like a gate of sleep. What does it matter? One pointed to the immaculate delight, questing for God as for a splendid prey. I mean, this is marvelous. Here he is. Where is he hidden? How far he is? Doesn't matter. How long will it take to seek? It's worth the trouble. Lives doesn't matter. Here I come after you, O Lord. Like a questing for God, like for a splendid prey. He mounted, burning like a cone of fire. This is the aspiration for this yoga. All else is like, it's okay, you know. But without this aspiration, yoga has not begun. And no one can light this fire of aspiration except the divine. There can be many preparatory movements. Reading a book, listening to talks, going to ashram, doing this, doing that, 101 things. But they are all preparations. But when the aspiration is awake, then one is on the path. One doesn't have to then ask the how. Because what will happen next is sooner rather than later one will discover that here is she who alone can carry us and then it's over. Once this is done, nothing else one has to worry about whatever time it may take, however long the journey, however great the difficulties, obstacles, they will all be eventually gone. Once the soul has awakened to the touch of the Divine Mother, Nothing else can stand in the way. But that is the crucial part of the journey. In Savitri, it takes a very interesting form. Or even before that, 
Now this aspiration in Ashupati, let us read a little more. So Ashupati finally with this kind of an aspiration, intense, one-pointed, toward the immaculate delight, eventually reaches a point where he is face to face with the Divine Mother. So what do we ask? You know, one old sadhak very beautifully confessed. He said, you know, we were so stupid. Divine Mother was in our front. What were we asking her? You know, Mother, in my office that fellow is troubling me a lot. You know, Mother, this promotion has been denied to me. And she would smile and grant. Said, now I feel how much we could have asked. She would have given anything and everything. So Ashupati is face to face with the Divine Mother. What does he ask her? Mother, make me your great instrument. Mother, make me this, make me that. Look at it. When you are face to face with the Divine, what do you ask? Page 315. His spirit was caught in her intolerant flame. All intolerance is not bad. There is a divine intolerance. The intolerance comes from the mother in her Mahakali aspect, which proves no obstacles. One scene, his heart acknowledged only her. There is a nice story about Surdas. You know, he was blind and he fell into a well once and he was pulled out and pulled out by none other but Maradha, Sri Krishna's divine consort. And she gave him the eyes and he saw her and beheld that beauty, rarest of rare. And she asked, ask my child, what do you want? He said, take away these eyes. <laughs> what? You have suffered from blindness all your life. I can give you eyes. He says, after seeing you, what would I want to see? What a touching thing. Once seen, his heart acknowledged only her. Only a hunger of infinite bliss was left to be with her in countless ways, in countless bodies, in numberless births. Very beautiful song once I heard. Amar Eke Krishna Mon Varena. Ami Anant Krishna Dubechahi. I am not satisfied with one Krishna. <laughs> I am not satisfied with one. Time comes when you begin to see, feel her presence, Divine Mother in. You know, in so many ways that you sometimes want to probably, you know, touch everybody's feet. <laughs> because you see the Divine Mother, you feel her presence because she is everywhere. And there is no end to this disclosure. In infinite ways, in the darkest abysses to the highest heights. And then what happens to all that we had hoped and thought and wished? All aims in her were lost, then found in her. You know, before Vivekananda was prepared for this wonderful work that he did, once he had a personal family crisis, and he asked Sri Ramakrishna, you have a hotline, please ask the Divine Mother. My mother and my sister, physical mother, they are suffering to do something about them. He said, you also have a hotline, everybody has a hotline, they don't know it. You can go and ask. She is the Divine Mother, she will listen. So he goes and comes out. So he asked, Sri Ramakrishna asked him. So you asked? He said, no, I don't know. I stood before her and I went on asking, give me jnana bhakti vairagya. 
give me wisdom, give me love for you and give me vairagya. He says, stupid man, go, go back. He went, came out. He said, I just can't ask before her anything else. Try once again, you know. Your mother is, remember now, your mother and sister are having difficulties, you know. I am telling you, you go and ask. He comes back and says, when I stand before her, I just can't ask these things. I end up asking for that which alone is eternal and true. All aims in her were lost. Then found in her. She gives them back. But gives them back in a new way. People often ask, what do I do with my relations? There is a passage when everything else is subordinated or made secondary. And eventually everything else becomes non-existence except this one thing. And yes, then she gives back. But it's a different thing. And Sri reveals this secret through the story of Yagnavalk, who is asked by Matri, his wife, that I don't want the money that you can give me. Give me the knowledge which has brought out the Isha Upanishad and many other beautiful things. So he says, what do you want to know? You have a specific question. What do you mean by knowledge? So she asks, why does one love the wife? Why does one love the child? Why does one love the country? And so on and so forth. And he gives a very beautiful cryptic reply. You know, Matre, one loves the wife not for the sake of the wife, but for the sake of the self. It applies to husbands also, by the way. One does not love the child for the sake of the child, but for the sake of the self. Applies to jobs also. One does not love the country for the sake of the country, but for the sake of the self. Applies to world and humanity also. Shubindu says, as long as one is living in the lower nature, then it's for the sake of the egoistic self. Because I am born in some place, I love that place. Nothing great about it. You know, everybody does that. Because I am born in a certain religion, I am naturally fond of that religion. That custom, that tradition. Because I am, you know, born to a certain parent, because I am married to someone, because I have some child through me, therefore I love this. Nothing new about it. But when one awakens to the greater self, then one loves them for the sake of the greater self. No more for the lower self. So it's a different. All relations, all work, all aims are given back. But they are renewed with a new light, with a new lease, with a new understanding, with a new capacity to work in it. So all aims in her were lost, then found in her. And look what has happened to the aspiration which climbed from the heart. His whole being has become fire. His base was gathered in, his base was gathered to one pointing spire. This flame which starts from the heart, it must touch every part till base, the very matter, the very body and all else within it must burn with that flame. That is the state this aspiration must reach. And then what does he ask her for? When it's given back. Okay, now. So he asks something very beautiful. Few lines below. And look, this should be our state. All he had done was to prepare a field. Even a realization of the Divine Mother is a preparation. Only Shurabindo can write like that. The mother at one place says, When I came to India, I understood what they mean by saying, Renouncing the fruits of the realization. You know, we get stuck. I have this experience and now I have to transmit it to others. 
He is infinite. Where is the end of his disclosure? We should remain that childlike, you know. So he says that all he had done, after all these experiences, look, Shurabindu, you know, with all this, he says it was just to prepare a field. And he writes in a letter to Barin, he says, whatever the traditional Vedantin touches is nothing but the hem of the transcendence dress. An average bhakta leaping in joy and ecstasy, he has only tasted a little of the spillover from the wine of God, not the utter ananda. So he says, no, this is not enough. So what does he ask now? His small beginnings asked for a mighty end. Yoga starts, with all journey starts with one infant step. One should not be daunted with the enormity of the task. Even Mount Everest climber sure enough started with an infant step and he must have fallen like every other child. So people often end up here. But there is a difference. People often say that yes, everybody starts in this way. True. But many give up. Some persist. Few will go right up to the end. That is the only difference. Persistence, perseverance. You know the story of Guru Nanak when he he was he his uh, disciple told him you have so many disciples this whole place is full of your disciples you know you want to know how many disciples I have yes please tell me he says come with me announce everybody tomorrow that I am going to the forest everybody oh Guruji is going to forest it's a great picnic people prepare food and all you know in India you just can't imagine anything without food Great picnic, everybody is busy. Guruji is going, he likes this, he likes that. Nobody knows what Guruji really likes. And Guruji is going with all that, you know, things carried and people are chatting and they are so happy. Thank God Guru has chosen about going out for a picnic. So, such a relief. Otherwise, all the time, you know, we were tense. Good change in him. (laughs) After a while, they are getting tired and they want to rest. But Guru doesn't stop. says, Guruji, this food will get stale. He doesn't answer anything. He keeps moving. Guruji, we are hungry and thirsty. Guruji keeps moving. So people started dropping out, dropping out, dropping out one by one. At the end, some people say, you know what? He has gone crazy. <laughs> Let's look for some other guru who for thousand dollars will give us some good realization. <laughs> this guru is not, you know. And they started looking at cell phones, any good yoga going around in neighborhood. <laughs> At the end... There is only he and the disciple who had asked the question. He said, do you still have the question, how many disciples I had? He said, no, sir. <laughs> I have my answer. Nothing depends on numbers. It's not nothing to be counted. One man earnestly pursuing the path of yoga, mother's words, is much more important than a thousand well-known persons. It starts with this well-known or unknown has no importance as far as this yoga is concerned. It may have importance from the worldly point of view. We don't care. What is important is one man earnestly. That one man is so difficult to find. So what does he now seek? For all that he had been must now new shape. In him her joy to embody to enshrine her beauty and greatness in his house of life. Everything should be flooded from top to bottom with her joy, her light, her peace, her sweetness, her ananda. Nothing should be left untouched with this union, mystic and unutterable. 
her beauty and greatness in his house of life but now his being was too wide for self his heart's demand had grown immeasurable his single freedom could not satisfy her light her bliss he asked for earth and men nothing for himself this is sure bindu he could have easily asked for anything the mother who was giving people everything taking her name people could you know even now people experience so much and yet for themselves she would wear sarees which were stitched again and again one hanky look at you know we talk about divine qualities gratitude look at gratitude i mean this is only the divine can give us that um, concrete example of gratitude so mother used to wear a hanky which was used to use a hanky which was stitched at many places so one day one sadhika told her brought a very nice hanky for her mother you i'll give you this you give that to me of course she also wanted to get the hanky but somewhere you know this mother is using this hanky said no 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 why mother you know what it has served me for so long and then of course he added the one who gave me gave it with so much love this is the divine way of gratitude hanky hanky has served you you see this is there in mother's prayers when she leaves the house she says these sweet little things which have served me and when i am departing she prays for these little objects may they pass into hands which are careful which treat them nicely which don't just you know ignore them because they have served her she prays for them what do we mean by praying for this or that person and even for earth look at the vastness and look at the detailed uh, penetration even in in the ship when there is a violent storm see how she reacts she goes into a chamber and goes into you know her out of body and she enters in a state of quietude in trance and she enters into the sea and she sees these little little entities vital entities which are you know disturbing and creating turbulence and some are afraid some are praying for intervention you know what does she go and tell them calm down you don't have to be agitated she could have just lashed and finished them in one go calm down you don't have to be agitated calm down and they become calm and at the end of all this doing she writes so beautifully thy intervention was felt o lord she describes the experience where she actually goes thy intervention was felt o lord once again that is humility she is not claiming you know what i did it she says there that thy intervention so he asks for everyone that's why one feels grateful for shurbindu and the mother that they could have easily just gone ahead with their own transformation but they paused their own journey so that we all could catch up and we can't imagine what this means it's like somebody close to mount everest with that excruciating feeling is waiting for those who are still enjoying nainital and its nice ambience to catch up and they are waiting mother says at one place in agenda my child i am millions of years old and then she adds and i am waiting can we imagine 
mother is waiting but how to do it how this can happen who can help us we often ask who can help us but vain are human power and human love yesterday we are saying you know all these qualities human love human gratitude human humility they have to change into their divine forms we don't even understand what it means because we understand by these terms something which we are accustomed to naturally you know animals when they express their love you know somebody was bitten by a dog and uh, came for rabies injection he says you know but i said what were you doing uncle i was playing with the dog so i said yes but dog was also playing with you but i got bit yes that was its expression of love my child because that's the only expression of love a dog knows and probably an intense expression of love <laughs> so i mean you should know what you are playing with and <laughs> whom you are playing with because human love that's how it is so this must change into its divine measure vain a human power and human love to break earth's seal of ignorance and death his natures might seem now in infant's grasp ashupati with everything that he can command seem like an infant's grasp we talk about humility and shobindo was asked that how did the mother's coming changed in your yoga what change it brought he said what do you mean what change what would have taken me 10 years i could cover in one year after the mother's coming and then he added that before her coming i could have helped myself but i could not have helped others it is the mother who made this it possible for this yoga to be given to all what do you mean when somebody wrote that you know shurbindo is still sitting on the path he said that could have been true before the mother's coming but not after her coming who could write that but the lord he is giving us the example of what humility is and that's why and so easily we take their name and become you know great ones but look you know the humility someone asked once a little crackpot and crackpots are by the way sometimes very wise people asked a little crackpot i want to meet some great sadhaks in the ashram he said come near i'll tell you what is it the only two who are they the mother and shirobindo <laughs> you want to know what divine qualities are meet them they will tell you heaven is too high for outstretched hands to seize and then he gives us the mantra this light comes not by struggle or by thought i'm sure some of us would remember the upanishad nayamatma pravachani namedha nabahuna shrutin this light comes not by struggle or by thought in the minds silence the transcendent acts and the hushed heart hears the unuttered word a vast surrender was his only strength vast surrender everything that comes let it become a feeder to the divine without judging it she says judging things prevents offering the moment you draw a line this is good this is bad you start covering the bad things what you think as bad things don't want to expose them before the divine what opinion will he have of me he doesn't know you know in india it's common 
Mothers tell their children, I know you, I know you since childhood. <laughs> and they do indeed know. Seeing the child's face, they know today what has happened. Did he smoke a cigarette and he is hiding it? They know it all. They will not tell it, you know, because that's the kind of rapo. So, you know, she says if you start judging things, then you don't offer because you will cut off one part and offer only one part and that too very imperfectly because you have an opinion about yourself. But offer these movements as they arise, even things which you think are good because they are not yet the ultimate good. And of course, things which you think are bad, they may have within them concealed a seed of good which will come out when the flame burns down. One example is obstinacy. Mother says obstinacy is actually divine virtue, but it is inversed, you know. When it comes into human beings, we regard it as a bad thing. Very obstinate. Invariably, you'll never hear, oh, my son is very obstinate. He is very obstinate. But obstinacy is a divine quality. But, you know, it takes a different form. So what does he aspire for? A power, that lives, a power that lives upon the heights must act. Bring into life's closed room the immortal's air and fill the finite with the infinite. That is the aspiration. But this aspiration, what one has to do successively for this aspiration to mount further and further, all that denies must be torn out and slain. And crush the many longings for whose sake we lose the one for whom our lives were made. This is sincerity. You know, you are talking about what is sincerity? This is sincerity. To value the divine so much that everything else, all that denies must be torn out. The biggest denial is from the ego self. Torn out. Look at, you know, one has to be even harsh with that. And slain and crushed the many longings for whose sake we lose the one for whom our lives were made. Now other claims had hushed in him their cries. So there is a process. It doesn't happen in one day. A time comes. Only he longed to draw her presence and power into his heart and mind and breathing frame. Wherever one is, whatever one is doing, what one has to do in this yoga, this yoga is the easiest of yoga when it comes to process. This yoga is the most difficult of yoga when it comes to the result. So what is to be done? Only he longed to draw her presence and power into his heart and mind and breathing frame Only he yearned to call forever down her healing touch of love and truth and joy into the darkness of the suffering world. Yes, there is darkness. None can deny it. Should we sit down and lament, complain, feel confused, get disheartened, become a cynic? Or should we say, yes, there is darkness, let there be light? And there was light. That's what probably it means, not in a magical way. Because he can bring light where there is darkness. So what? how do we do it? Very simple. Simplest of simple. The first word that we all learn to say, why we, even cows learn to say it, that's why the only reason why cows are really sacred is because the first thing they learn is ma. 
not om om is still complicated no we have to learn how to chant om we may be mistaken we may like to say a o ma etc etc but look at ma so simple ma 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 is it difficult to do this that's all that is required <laughs> walking ma walk with me eating food ma have food with me that becomes prasad drinking ma have this sip through this made go to you meeting a friend ma traveling around ma in her vast embrace that's all that is required nothing else there are many other things one can do but this is the fundamental thing if this is done all else can be done if this is not done everything else is comes back to a knot ma 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 and then what happens then his soul was freed and given to her alone not to some vast silence of nirvana but given to her she starts moving us the way she wants and we have in savitri's yoga also yes we have 15 minutes we can just touch upon the initial part savitri is born with this aspiration and she must uh, she has come to open the doors of fate and she is given a program i have spoken about it earlier so i am not touching that there are some magical lines those who want to know what is the compendium a simple way for this yoga uh, say in 10 lines so <laughs> these are of course 18 lines not too many this is on page 476 a program for yoga it starts with the voice replied remember why thou camest and ends with then shall thou harbor my force and conquer death this is the yoga so savitri gives us what that yoga is basically every part of a being every part of a nature has to reorient itself from its allegiance to the ego self to the divine that's the basic fundamental thing heart must beat in god and for god our thoughts must run towards the divine and be stilled by his omniscience our passion must heave towards him be full of service to him our senses must seek him burn with that fire our very body with heartbeat and breath must cry ma 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 so that's the essence of the yoga which is described here but then look at the state in which savitri seeks her soul it's not enough to read a book and practice you know we know all know it some surgeon rightly said that you know if it was enough to read a book of surgery and become a surgeon then one should operate only on books <laughs> yoga is real time one has to be in a state to enter into yoga what is savitri state we read you know shobindo describing ashupati death lay below him like a gate of sleep he mounted burning like a cone of fire and savitri is sitting by the side of a doomed husband she has a choice to catch the nearest doctor and say look you know these are the options it has been fated that my husband is going to die and you tell me can you take care of all the diseases that's what hiranyakashipu did 
because he was a fool. Take care of all the possibilities of death. Or she could ensure her his life so that at least something he she gets when the husband dies. <coughs> or she could take to yoga, engage with yoga to conquer death, not just for him. Why there is death? So she raises this question. But what is the state? What should be the state of consciousness of the seeker? 486. We rush into techniques. But if the state of consciousness is not right, mother was asked that uh, hut yoga exercises. She says one may do hut yoga, but one may not have entered into yoga. She even says, even one may do practices of Raj Yoga and one may have nothing to do with the spiritual life. These are her words. So she was asked that, but you know, it gives discipline. She says, the discipline is not what we are seeking. We are seeking the infinite, not a discipline. That every morning I get up and I do uh, asanas and I do pranayama and I do sit for meditation and then I have paid my debt to God. My, you know, yoga is complete. Now rest of the day, God, you have to listen to me. I have put in your hundi, you know, like pay parking. I have put two dollars. Now you take care of two hours. I'm your baby. It doesn't work like that. Yoga doesn't work like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> she gives the secret, page 486. So she is here to mold humanity into God's own shape. And lead this great, blind, struggling world to light or a new world discover or create. So how is it possible? The transformation. Page 486. Four lines from below. Earth must transform herself and equal heaven or heaven descend into earth's mortal state. Here heaven with a capital H is not talking of the heaven of religions with a small h. But heaven, the state which is the supreme, the highest. There where there is freedom and felicity and bliss and light, shadowless light. But for such vast spiritual change to be, what is the first step of this yoga he is describing? Out of the mystic heaven in man's heart, the heavenly psyche must put off her veil and step into common nature's crowded rooms and stand uncovered in that nature's front and rule its thoughts and fill the body and mind, body and life. This is the first thing, the first aspiration to bring out the soul which is hidden inside, it's there, we all know it, we talk about it, we read about it, but we must not just find it, but become one with it, so that if somebody asks, like to Swami Ramtirth, so Swamiji, a question was asked, tell us, tell us, do you mean to say that you have a soul within the body? He said, no. He said, what are you speaking all this while? He said, you got me wrong. I said, I am a soul and I have a body. A small change, but a significant change. I am a body and I have a soul. It's belief, faith. You can build a religion around it. A religion which believes in soul and a religion which doesn't believe in soul. But this is not a religion. This is not a cult. But when you find the soul, when you are one with the soul, 
then it doesn't matter what religion or no religion or whatever else you belong to or don't belong to because you found it then what do you say i am a soul i have a body this body is change today it is this and let it become the instrument of grace but tomorrow another body and it's fine therefore what is her state and that's what we were going to read obedient to a high command she sat time life and death were passing incidents we get so easily swayed this news that news much of the time it's my news being broadcast you know this what happened in my family we multiplied by sharing it with somebody else oh my god this what happened <laughs> so bad it doesn't it doesn't help no others feel inwardly jealous good <laughs> i am a happy guy but outwardly they say oh very bad i am so sorry for you what is all this nonsense you know what is this talk of slayer and the slain when you live in that light you will laugh over it it's so amusing time life and death were passing incidents obstructing with their transient view her sight this died that person i want to see the one behind it behind this mask time life and death were passing incidents look at the mahabharata even after all this people often ask gandhari and dhritras they lamented they said what kind of a god is krishna you know krishna in the jain scripture is suffering in hell so somebody asked me why is he suffering in hell why do they write i said no they are quite right said, what do you mean i said only krishna has the capacity to go into hell and redeem that was, <laughs> that was my is this not how they explain it's like violence so you know gandhari and dhritras they are lamenting that you know krishna you call god such a massacre so much destruction asyur bindu and he says through the mahabharata war shri krishna saved india alive and saved the world can we imagine what it means he saved india through the mahabharata war and we see that oh so many died so many laws that's how cnn would report and declare krishna was the real mischief maker if he was not there we would have lived peacefully and happily ever after hail democracy but krishna saved through the war there was a choice for humanity without the war he gave that option he became the santi he tells that we no need not go into the war till the last minute he goes and gives the option but when no option works then yes if that be the passage so be it her sight that must break through and liberate the god look at the aspiration this is the aspiration that must liberate the god there is there are the gods in atriyopanishad web plunged into the human body where are they they are working but we don't see them they are motivating our senses they are working through the nerves they are working through the digestive system every part of the body is the gods who are activating if we take the uh, upanishadic view of thing which i feel is closer more a greater science we have to discover but they want to upgrade the software but how do they upgrade it on a running engine go and give your car and tell them that look you know please change the engine he'll say sir please you have to switch it off 
It can't be done that way. So we have to quieten the engine and say, now, upgrade it. This software has become very old. It runs only on the fuel of jealousy and desires and ambition. Can't help it. The moment you bring in a higher fire, it goes off to sleep. It doesn't recognize it because they are wet locks of wood. If it burns, it throws up smoke. But when the wood is dry, it's prepared and ready, then one little matchstick is enough to create an inferno. So this is the aspiration which we must awaken. Her side that must break through and liberate the God, imprisoned in the visionless mortal man. And we call ourselves that we have two sight, visionless mortal man. Nature conceals the most important part and we don't see. And we are very happy that we have sight. The inferior nature born into ignorance still took too large a pace, too large a place. It veiled herself. The inferior nature born in ignorance still took too large a place. It veiled herself and must be pushed aside to find her soul. That should be the state in which the yogin sits for yoga. By sitting is not a physical sitting, but takes the asana, takes the determination that I must find my soul. Mother gives the story of her own life as an example. She says, my children, she's talking to the children. Many of you have come here from childhood and you are now maybe 20 or you know in your teenage. She says, you know, at 21 when I was your age, I was given just a book and I decided that by the end of the year, I must find the divine. And I found it. And she says, it's not that something unusual in my life. It can happen to you. She says, she gives her own life. As we were saying that her life is the example. Shobindu's life is the example. And that's why we should read it. When we read his life and mother's life, one of the beautiful books is Shobindu, his life unique. Because now one has to be also careful which life you are reading. Whether one life or many lives or which life. Because, you know, touching their life is so sacred and important. So, when you read their life, it inspires us to move on the path of yoga. Is itself a yoga, I would say. And once again, the best way to read their life is to read Savitri. We close with these lines. Obedient to a high command, she sat. Time, life and death were passing incidents, obstructing with their transient view, her sight, her sight that must break through and liberate the God. Imprisoned in the visionless mortal man, the inferior nature born into ignorance still took too large a place. It veiled herself and must be pushed aside. To find her soul. Thank you.